Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. I'm Alma Schneider, and I'm here with my partner, Iris Miller. We want to welcome you. If you're new, a huge welcome. If you are a veteran of our podcast, um, we want to welcome you as well. We talk about all things related to raising kids with disabilities, and today we have, as always, a very, very interesting topic. I'll let Iris introduce it. Yes, and uh, thank you again for all our listeners that are here with us in this long journey time and time again, and also welcome for the new ones. And as Alma said, uh, we have an interesting topic today. Today, we're going to discuss my kids' favorite holiday, and that is Halloween, people. And Halloween is very important because this is a holiday in which we don't just interact with our families, we usually interact with our whole community. So I want to invite people to share this episode with the broader audience, because this is something that is for the greater good, as more inclusive as we can make Halloween, more kids would end up at the end of the day being happy and satisfied instead of frustrated and embarrassed. So listen in and learn something new. Alma, yes. do you want to begin? I will certainly be happy to begin. Um, this was, of course, my favorite holiday, especially as a chubby little child where I got to eat candy all the time. I was very happy about this holiday. Um, and I loved this holiday with my two older kids until my third kid was born with a disability that was completely related to food. And Halloween turned into um, not as much of a nightmare as I thought it would be, but it is uh, a, a holiday that, like many other tasks in our lives, we have to be extremely vigilant and, um, you know, feel a little different from the rest of the population. So it can be very triggering for a lot of parents who have Prader-Willi syndrome, uh, children with Prader-Willi syndrome, but uh, also for parents who have children with uh, allergies, who have diabetes, who have a lot of other issues, physical issues uh, that uh, Iris will will um, you know talk about a little bit more. But for me, I'll start off. Um, so, Prader-Willi syndrome. Um, I've talked about it in other episodes, but it is uh, it is. It is a syndrome where one of the main, the main feature and the most dangerous feature is um, a, a, a desire to eat, especially things that are not good for you, carbohydrates and sugars, um, and uh, the inability to feel sated. So Halloween, as you can imagine for a parent, of a child with Prader-Willi syndrome is very tough. Kids who have Prader-Willi syndrome uh, tend to sneak food as well. So I have to be on my game big time while trick-or-treating. And fortunately, my son is more interested in the social aspect of trick-or-treating um, than the food, but he still is very interested in the food. So I have to watch to make sure that there's no sneaking of food. 
um, which is hard because, you know, somebody can, you know, sneak food very, very quickly and easily. But um, it's it's one of these holidays where, you know, everybody says, oh, it's the it's one day of the year they can eat candy. But as we all know, candy is ever present. It is ubiquitous in everyone's lives in, you know, 2022. And it's not, a, it has become like not really a special treat anymore to eat a bunch of candy because kids eat candy all the time now and they get it from their friends, they get it from play dates, they get it from all these places. So socially, it's also a little bit hard for people who have kids who should not be eating candy at all. It's, it's hard because we, and this comes up a lot being a parent of a child with a disability, saying things, you know, people thinking like, oh God, can she just take a break for one day and let her kid have fun? It's not one day. It creates a pattern for some kids where they, they really want it. Then the next day, um, if they can't cognitively grasp that it's a one day thing, why I had it yesterday. Well, I want to eat the rest of the candy now. It it causes so there are so many repercussions to the to Halloween, um, and I'll I'll stop there so Iris can can start. But I have quite a bit more to say about Halloween, and we're going to be talking <laughs> obviously about strategies to 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 deal with the uh, complex issues that come up from Halloween. So I want to follow up with a to-do list item and people <laughs> if you heard Alma's speech uh, I want to invite you all to include a teal colored uh, pumpkin put it outside your house to symbolize your next uh, to-do list item and that is to buy giveaways that are not food if you have a teal colored uh, pumpkin and don't uh, get obsessed about the color it can be light blue or turquoise as long as you uh, give a sign to the parents that your house is safe to visit with their child who has food allergies or type 1 diabetes or whatever it is that prevents them from eating candies um, you can hand out little things like uh, pencils markers uh, small erasers balloons whatever you have that is sometimes very cheap, cheaper than candy, and you can give the kids something that is not a food item, you'll be making the holiday much happier and more inclusive to so many kids and so many families. So I wanted to invite people to think about that. And it's also healthier and more, I think, educational to get a pencil rather than mm -hmm. a piece of candy. It's not healthy for any of our children, disabilities or not. So, um, Alma, I don't know if you want me to continue on with another Please, item. Okay, with your okay. wisdom. Always want to hear more from you, Iris. <laughs> so, I thank you, thank you. I'm paying Alma for the compliments, <laughs> FYI. Um, so, basically, I think that um, when it comes to inclusion, we want to make this uh, holiday uh, physically accessible. And physically accessible means A, to have a hand, uh, hand out a giveaway that is not necessarily sugar, and also to make it physically accessible for kids to arrive at your door. And for a family like ours that uh, uses a wheelchair, it's a challenge. A lot of homes have like three steps to the entry uh, doorway where people are usually standing or they have a table and they hand the candies over there. I want to invite you people to consider a wheelchair accessible entrance to your house. And I don't mean modifying your home. I just am considering or inviting you to consider using your garage as your 
place to hand out the candies. And this is because everybody naturally have a ramp to get into their garage. You can slide the wheelchair from the sidewalk into the pathway of the garage and voila, you have a ramp to get into where the candy is given or other <laughs> goodies. So um, this is uh, something that uh, was really, really great. There are advantages to the pandemic. And one of the things uh, that happened in the pandemic is that people no longer wanted all the kids kind of coming to the front of their house and they put tables outside uh, near their garage. So they would be more in the open air and free from germs. So I really want to invite people to consider that this Halloween as well and other Halloweens, and this uh, this makes it easier to access. And also uh, sometimes narrow pathways, even if your house is maybe edge grade and it's not very um, hard to get to the front door in terms of the elevation, it can be very tricky in terms of the pathway. So please consider accessibility as you plan your candy giveaway. That's it. Or stickers or pencils or whatever Ex giveaway. Exactly. Um, something that is very helpful for that has been helpful for us is that for many years we have had a friend who had a party not even a, a, an official party, but we hung out on her lawn and we still do with a fire pit out there and we have, you know, cider, healthier drinks and maybe one kind of a dessert out there. Um, and this is more for, not necessarily, but for when kids get a little bit older, um, but they're hanging out with their friends and it's a party. Um, and I say friends, I use the term loosely. Um, they could just be other kids who are their age. Um, but there isn't even necessarily a need for the trick-or-treating because sometimes um, kids just want to be dressed in costumes and they want to have some kind of a festive activity. It doesn't necessarily have to mean trick-or-treating. So something uh, like having a party outside or inside um, is one way to deal with the holiday. If you have concerns about your children trick-or-treating or eating candy or having, you know, a meltdown when they go trick-or-treating because of a variety of issues, um, that can be a fun way to deal with Halloween. Baking fun things with your kids, making some kind of a family tradition on Halloween, uh, either having other kids over or having it just be your family, but baking, you know, something it could even be bread shaped like ghosts i don't know some kind of, or biscuits i don't know using some kind of a cookie cutter um or uh any kind you know baking i put a very uh hideous uh photograph on my fa um, on my instagram the other day that uh, iris wasn't happy about that i tried to put on the uh two moms no fluff uh instagram page of something called feet loaf where you shape a raw meatloaf into the shape of a foot and you put onion pieces on each toe so it looks like hideous nails so baking dinner making dinner with feet loaf could be an option for maybe uh, iris will now let me put it on the instagram she was not happy with with her partner because it was too hideous but um maybe for halloween we'll put it on there uh but there are lots of things you can make a cake uh, and then just make sure that, you know, if your child has food issues, you only have a tiny bit of it. Um, a cake with, you know, green frosting as a witch. And I can post something like that on my 
on my page for because I have a great recipe for that and there are just so many other ways to celebrate this holiday so it's important to think out of the box it doesn't have to be all or nothing where you know we don't celebrate Halloween we don't do that yes kids want to be a part of you know talking about Halloween getting excited about Halloween wearing the costumes but it doesn't have to be the traditional Halloween going to everybody's house and getting candy it can be other other things so I want to go back to like the people hosting the children that come trick-or-treating and to give them a few more pointers. And uh, I think that uh, one important thing is for people to know to talk to the child, even if the child is nonverbal and even if you think uh, that maybe the child does not understand you. I invite people to always err on the side of talking to the child and, and let the adult that is with the child intervene if the child cannot uh, respond or does not understand what you're saying. Uh, be respectful, talk to the child. Do not ask the parents about the child's diagnosis, never ever in front of the child and never ever in a situation like that because uh, for many, many parents, this is a very serious and private topic. So um, another recommendation. And to always give kids options. And even uh, let's say if you are uh, handing out uh, stickers, put three stickers in front of them, space them out also so you can see which one the child is gazing at and let the child make a choice. And um, I think that uh, a lot of times people are kind of embarrassed when they see that the child doesn't react in a way that, uh, that they expect. So I recommend A, be patient, give the child time and don't like uh, repeat the same question time and time again. Many times kids that uh, have uh, communication challenges, they know what they want to say or they know which choice they want to make. It just takes them a long time to kind of organize their nervous system to come up with a response. So be patient and uh, Please know that uh, the choices is a very important part of this holiday. When you have a ball of candy, you notice that each child has to like choose and pick whichever one they're taking. So also please give that opportunity for kids with disabilities, the option of maybe even holding two items, one in each hand and holding your hands far apart uh, would make it easier for you to see which one they, they want with a, maybe a way to do a nonverbal communication. And the final thing about that, I know that <clears throat> my kids, uh, my son who's able-bodied is able to run from one neighbor to the other, like all motivated to grab as much candy as he can possibly do. <laughs> but my daughter with the wheelchair can usually maybe visit like less than a quarter of the homes that he, he is able to do in one run, and that's optimistic. So I invite you, if you can, give them a choice, but also be generous and give the kid who has a disability, who's having a harder time access your house or accessing the candies or other uh, giveaways that you have, be generous, give them two. Trust me, you won't regret it. And when they come home, they'll have something that is maybe close to what other kids uh, receive in that one evening. So that's my two cents about that. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to go back to the families who have the kids again. It seems like we're in a little pattern here. Um, just because this is such a, I have to have so many strategies at home for, for our uh, situation. Um, something 
that I was very pleasantly surprised about. And I want everybody out there to, to remember um, that even if your child has a tendency to want to eat candy and eat too much and uh, be a part of the holiday in that way, having to do with the candy, I was pleasantly surprised to see that my son, who is extremely food focused, really is more interested in the social aspect of the candy. And what I mean by that is something that my older kids did and now my younger kids um, is that they all get their candy at the end of, of their trick or treating and they put it out on the floor. They could see how much candy they all have and they trade. So my son is so interested. He is so excited because he's always so excluded from food, especially candy, you know, outings and, and events that have food and candy. This is an opportunity for him to feel like everyone else and not feel excluded. And he trades it and they all decide it's all in front of him. And again, I have to have some serious hypervigilance here to make sure that he's not sneaking it. But to my great surprise and pleasure, he really is focused on the trading and not on the eating in these instances, which is very unusual for someone with Prader-Willi syndrome. But he just has such a drive to be social and to be doing what other kids are doing. So they trade candy and then two things happen um, after the trading of the candy. I A few things happen. I let him have some of the candy for, and he'll, he can have one piece after dinner for a little while, for, you know, a week or two, just one, one piece. We also donate to organizations. I don't know why there are so many organizations to donate candy to to people who are in military service, but there are lots of drop-offs to, to drop off candy. I don't know why people need so many Snickers bars and and uh, when they're out, but apparently it's, it's, it's something that they like to collect uh, candy for. So that's another thing um, you can do with your candy, but also my son loves, 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 and your kids might love this too, giving out candy. So we finish our outings, or whether it's the party and a little bit of trick-or-treating, when we come home, we come home early enough so that people are still coming to our house for trick-or-treating. And my son likes nothing more than taking even his own candy. He puts it, I pretend sometimes that I've run out of candy and he, he's like, oh, you, they can use mine. He, even though he has Prader-Willi syndrome, he gets so much joy out of giving out the candy that he, we put it in a bowl and he gives it out to kids who are still coming. So there are so many ways to take it, you know, have a great time and take advantage of this holiday, just like everyone else. And to feel good about it and feel like you're a part of it, not just stuffing candy in your face, which um, is kind of what I did as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> also, we eat the candy that they hide. And we take out, I take out all my favorite things and I hide it, you know, somewhere. And I just have a little bit left. And he's like, where did all the candy go? I'm like, oh, it's been going fast. You know, you, you know, you didn't have as much as you thought you did. So, you know, you can play around with that kind of stuff too. 
Yes, I think that uh, we had a few educational games in, uh, you know, in the spirit of <laughs> homeschooling with uh, making graphs by putting the candy bars, you know, one on top of the other and seeing yeah. which graph is higher and why, and then doing the trading game of uh, buying candies from the kids, etc. Oh, that's smart. That's, Selling yeah. the candy. That's, yeah, the, and you, yes, and to, to, to do that, I think that's a great idea. If you give me, you know, three quarters of your candy, I'll pay you for it and you can buy something more meaningful with that. So great, that's a great idea. Yeah, so that being said, I wanted to invite people to choose kindness over candy in this holiday. And by that, I mean that uh, we also, we had, uh, I guess, uh, a few uh, groups of friends and uh, due to some nutritional choices, their kids also were not allowed to eat the candy. It was just collectible item uh, that they would sell to their parents at the end of the evening. And we all went trick-or-treating together. And within two houses, the kids kind of understood that uh, my daughter is super slow and they bolted and disappeared. And that was a very, very sad Halloween because uh, all the kids left and we were supposed to go in a group. And uh, the only the only child that stayed was actually her brother, which we kind of had forced him also to stay with us and with her. And I think that uh, especially for for families like that, that the candy at the end of the day is not the the prize the prize was supposed to be money uh, oh. then uh, I, I think that uh, because they were selling the candy they were trying to get more candy to get the money mm-hmm. i think um, people really do need to remember the bigger picture and what is more important in life in a situation like that um, and so um, i want to invite parents of typical children to consider um just, you know, taking a neighbor who has a disability, taking a friend from class who has a disability and help them interact and help them go out and meet other people and other neighbors and other kids and enjoy wearing their costume. And I think that the benefit would carry much longer and much farther than any amount of candy or other goodies that they can collect on that day. And it's a message for life. I uh, think that uh, it's sometimes it's um, it's interesting as a parent of a child with disability, how easy it is for typical parents to think about inclusion, to think about the ramifications of their uh, parenting choices and the actions of their children. Um, we are very, very much, uh, how do you say, about uh, immediate satisfaction. And we, uh, in an age that you can order whatever you want from Amazon on Instacart and have it in your house in half an hour as an adult, we expect that our kids would have the same uh, gratification or satisfaction right right away, uh, no matter what's going on in life. So this Halloween, I want to invite parents to think ahead of time and to think about who in your child's life doesn't have a friend to go trick-or-treating with what would it mean if your child this holiday makes a social effort and uh, lives a little bit outside of their normal kind of comfort zone and do something special like that i think it is beautiful and it would be a much more meaningful uh, halloween holiday and if you are worried about the amount of candies that they would get call me i'll send you candies just for the good deed that your kid has done that holiday thank you <laughs> Excellent. 
Excellent. <laughs> um, one th one more thing that I wanted to add was costumes. So it can be more festive if the parents are also wearing a costume and really focusing on the costume and making a costume or buying a costume that's fun for the kid that they've been really excited about. Um, and something that we talk about in all or most of our episodes is, you know, the social component that Iris just mentioned, but having to do with you know, having, I have, a, you know, a child with a food issue, but not, uh, if somebody's going to have a party or get together for Halloween to not assume and, uh, that my son can't go or won't go because he has Prader-Willi syndrome. The general rule of thumb is should always be invite them or, but it, it tell the parent, invite the parent so that because sometimes I cannot bring my son to certain events. And if he found out that there was a party and he couldn't go, it would be much worse. But reach out to the parents and say, you know, I'd love to invite so-and-so to the party. Do, um, and then let the parent decide whether or not um, it will be appropriate. And that will probably include a lot of questions by the parent. Like, will the food, like a question for me is, will there be like a buffet style food or will you be giving set amounts of treats or dinner to the kids if there's a party you know it's if it's all out in all areas of the house like in the living room in the kitchen bowls of junk food and stuff like i couldn't go to an event like that because it would be too stressful for my son but also for me to have to watch so always plan to invite a child by you know telling the parent again not the kid necessarily depending on the nature of the disability um but invite you know, err on the side of inviting, not saying, oh, they won't want to come or they'll feel bad if they, if I invite them because they won't be able to come. Don't make assumptions because there's a lot of ways to include kids as long as we're supporting them appropriately. Um, I uh, want to, like I'm being mindful of the time, I want to also mention a proactive approach for parents of kids with disabilities. And I have never done that, but I know uh, other families that have. And then uh, the strategy is such that you would go down your street uh, in advance before Halloween mm. and let people know that uh, my uh, five-year-old son would be knocking on your door in his Spider-Man costume and a green uh, bag. Uh, he has type 1 diabetes. Please do not give him any candies. I am attaching to this note a pencil that you can hand to him when he knocks on your door. Please uh, respect uh, this request because it's a, a medical kind of danger for my son to eat candies. Uh, so I know that some parents have done that and uh, had great success with this. Uh, parents uh, told me in the past that people like took the pencil that they got and added to it like a pencil box and some other uh, goodies and that it was a really great success. Um, if you're you're so inclined, I, uh, I just wanted to share that strategy. It might work for your family. I wanted to also mention other things that uh, are done in our neighborhood here in Midland, Michigan. Uh, neighbors here boo each other, meaning that they knock on your door in the middle of the night, kind of before Halloween, and they leave a like a pumpkin bag or something filled with goodies before the holiday. 
And something like that is really great for kids that have a hard time leaving the house at all and going out in the holiday because of medical issues, etc. So if uh, you are aware of a child or a family in your circle or community that cannot attend or participate in Halloween, I really recommend booing them in advance or that specific kid in that specific family. That is super kind and it brings the joy of Halloween uh, to their door. So highly recommended. Excellent. And you reminded me of one last thing that we did. Um, and I think we only did it one year, but I think it's a great idea if I do say so myself. And uh, we did something on our block called reverse trick-or-treating, where a week or two after Halloween, we baked cookies and we put them in bags on our block and we went to all the adults' houses and we knocked on the door and we said trick-or-treat and we handed them treats and they were like, "What? what's going on here? We said it's reverse trick-or-treating. So that was a great way. The kids were really excited about that and they did, you know, they're getting, all they're doing is taking on Halloween if you think about it, if they're trick-or-treating. So this is a, also a nice message, you know, for any kid, obviously, to... Uh, to reciprocate so um maybe we'll do that this year again that was really fun <laughs> all right i that's all i have i think pretty much today how about you iris i you have two little other tips if oh you, you yeah I actually yes. full of info all right let's hear it first of all i wanted to give a mention to adults with developmental disabilities mm -hmm. that are still deep inside uh, think of halloween as if they are still kids Yes. and they also want to participate please don't frown on those adults when they come in a costume knocking on your door asking for candies mm -hmm. let them also enjoy the holiday Great please point. be a uh, welcoming and accepting of kids that misbehave um, in a sense like a, oh this child is grabbing so much candy what is wrong with them mm -hmm. the, there is probably something that is wrong please be accepting, be compassionate, and understand that uh, there are so many ways and times that uh, the family needs to kind of control that child's, uh, child's behavior. Just go with the flow. Let them have fun that one day and um, nothing bad would happen to you. Just good, I promise. And then also kids that cannot tolerate costumes. Um, if uh, you've ever been with a child who has a sensory difficulty and cannot tolerate wearing something different than their usual cotton no tags outfits that uh, are specially purchased for that purpose uh, on Halloween, you can understand that every house they come to, why don't you have a costume? Why aren't you <laughs> dressed up, etc.? Please skip the questions let them enjoy the holiday pick up the the i guess candy or goodies or whatever it is and uh, go with the flow um i think this is a holiday that really invites or gives us an opportunity to accept the diversity both in costumes and in behaviors and if the more we do so more people would live at the end of the night happy and uh, looking forward to yet another celebration next year so thank you for listening and alma as always it's been a pleasure it's being here with you <laughs> i have and... to add one more thing that you're yeah. all these memories of halloween are coming up go for it where a little girl did say to me when my this was years ago when my hair first started going gray and she said i said oh i remember you from down the block i said you know i uh 
and she said, she looked at me and she goes, are you a grandma? <laughs> I was like, no, not. <laughs> I just have not some yet. <laughs> yeah, but it was great. So even though some people might have behaviors, they're acting out in front of you, they might diss you. And, you, and so you have to be kind, even if they're going to diss you. So on that note, we hope to hear from you in your in the comments about uh, strategies that you've employed for Halloween, your Halloween nightmares and successes. And uh, we always love hearing those. So we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it.